We want to thank Syracuse.com for their support of the Daily Orange, not just for this sportscast, but through the rest of the SU basketball season. And for any Syracuse students and faculty, be sure to utilize your free subscription to Syracuse.com. Coming up on this week's sportscast. When you look at something that's really timely, like the Tampa Bay Lightning winning back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, and half of each roster consisted of former crunch players. A key foundational piece of the most recent back-to-back Stanley Cup champions lays right here in Syracuse. The Syracuse Crunch have served as the AHL affiliate to the Tampa Bay Lightning for nearly a decade now, and current assistant sports editor Alex Serino took a deeper dive into what that relationship has looked like and why it's been so successful. About half of each of Tampa's cup-winning rosters played in Syracuse at one point in their careers, a staggering stat exemplifying the developmental model the Lightning organization have put into place, which Syracuse has bought into. Stars of the NHL like Nikita Kucherov and Andre Vasilevsky once played in the on-center arena, albeit briefly, before helping the Lightning become one of, if not the most successful team in the NHL since 2015. Serino explored the Crunch's dual affiliation situation because of COVID last year in a story headline, How the Syracuse Crunch's Unorthodox Dual Affiliation Saved the Franchise, and he comes on today to talk about his more recent story, Inside the Syracuse Crunch Tampa Bay Lightning Championship Affiliation, which came out on January 23rd and can be found on the Daily Orange website. I'm Arab Tomajimder. This is the Daily Orange Sportscast. Welcome back to the podcast, Alex. Glad to have you back on. Thanks for having me. You wrote a story about the Syracuse Crunch that came out last Monday. We are recording on the Friday now. I just wanted to get a feel for how you even came up with the story idea and then also the process of getting to the crunch. It's a professional team based out of Syracuse. So what was the process like to be able to actually get access? Yeah, well, the story idea first came to me kind of when, you know, I I really like writing about hockey, you know, and I think that hockey is huge up here and people just don't realize it. You know, everybody is... You know, thinking about, you know, when you think of hockey teams around here, you think of Buffalo Sabres, but you don't really look directly into the Syracuse community. So when I thought about this story idea, I really wanted to think of something that captures kind of the legacy and the influence of hockey in in Syracuse, but also how that translates to something more people can relate to and more people are knowledgeable about like the NHL. So I kind of wanted to, you know, I dabbled around with a little bit of kind of, you know, oh, where Crunch Team's doing with community organizations. But, you know, when you look at something that's really timely, like the Tampa Bay Lightning winning back-to-back Stanley Cup champions and all of those players, you know, mo- mo- you know, half of each roster consisted of former Crunch players. So I went back i looked at kind of past records and and all that and i remember doing a story in august where that focused on the rare dual affiliation the crunch had with the tampa bay lightning and the florida panthers during the last ahl season and i remember how highly the management the chief the chief operating officer was talking about 
the Tampa Bay Lightning and their influence on on the crunch, and I wanted to take a deeper dive into that. And were they very open about letting you in and kind of talking you through all the processes that they go through? Definitely, you know, I mean, again, it's not something, coverage like this is not something they get from a lot of print print papers. You know, they're, a lot of the coverage they're, they're getting is just, you know, what's what's happening in their game. You know, you'll see NHL news, for instance, you know, who's getting called up to the crunch, who's getting sent down to the crunch. But I wanted to, you know, they, they want to look between that between those lines and I I surely wanted to bring that out of them too so being able to talk to them and their perspectives on not just what the lightning has done and and how they've interacted with the crunch and gotten those players through the system like any AHL team does they really highlighted where the lightning stand on player development and why that's important to them and why those philosophies really clicked and why sort of other in past AHL affiliations didn't didn't really work so well. Right, and that partnership has obviously yielded a lot of success, as you said, back-to-back Stanley Cup champions for Tampa. Uh, they had, again, half of those rosters coming at some point through this Syracuse Crunch system, which I can't imagine that too many teams in NHL history have had that many players go through their own farm systems. Uh, obviously, a lot of the younger players spend some time in some sort of developmental system growing up, but to have it come through their own system, I'm sure that was special. And like you said, the assistant general manager kind of alluded to that in the story as well, right, with his experiences in the AHL when he was a player versus what he's seeing for these AHL players in Syracuse now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he and the chief operating officer both really honed in on communication aspect and you know making sure that the organization the management they're getting the coaches the support staff a player needs to really you know develop their game in any way in any way possible you know they if they need sta- skating skating work they have that if they need you know work on their shooting whatever and so i think that proactivity that the lightning have been able to provide and really working on kind of the facilities there, you know, improving the gym and all that, you know, telling players kind of what they expect out of them, telling players where, where they need to improve and ultimately how they can get to the to the pros because, you know, the all the crunch staff admitted, you know, we're, we're working with the Lightning to get the players to that next level. And, you know, we need to do all we can to foster that and, you know, really treat this like, and, you know, really treat the AHL level like, you know, it is the NHL with all those facilities and support staff and, or, you know, and just treating them like, like professionals. The focus on playing for the crunch and playing for Syracuse and that fan base is arguably the biggest step and the biggest influence the Lightning have had that other organizations as the parent, as the crunch's parent club didn't necessarily put much of a focus on. Right, and I think the part that really stood out to me when reading the story was that Julian Brisebois, who's Tampa Bay's general manager, actually came up to Syracuse when the Crunch were sort of, I guess, reorganizing their offices and facilities at the Upstate Medical Facility. And he was a big part of that process and wanted to ensure, I guess, that that came out in the image of what Tampa wanted as well as what Syracuse wanted. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that 
he had so much of a say of what was happening in Syracuse, which is Syracuse is already the third farthest HL club from their NHL parent club. So the fact that he had so much of a of a say and 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 the fact that he wanted to have that say in the smallest details, you know, where when when a player walks in, what do they see? You know, what's the you know, which way do they turn, you know, to get into the to the locker room, you know, what's that kind of routine like? And he wanted to mimic that of what they have in Tampa. So again, like like I was touching on before, like he wanted to make sure that upstate University Medical Arena at the On Center, which is a super old building, you know, at at one point, you know, I think when the lightning were there or when the lightning took over the crunch affiliation, the ice surface at Upstate wasn't regulation size. And that was a case for a lot of AHL teams where, you know, because they were playing in older rinks, they didn't have a space, they didn't have the proper ice dimensions or whatever. So the lightning really had a say in fixing that. And then from there, they went to renovating their gym and really the whole brand and image of what hockey is in Syracuse and for the crunch and you know really testing i guess what parent club can really do to their ahl club which which again breezebaugh really wanted to have an influence on and i think he he really did did you sort of get the feeling that this was a rarity in the ahl from the sources that you talked to not so much from you know nhl clubs treating their ahl affiliates with with care you know they obviously every team cares about the development of their players because they want to win. But the fact that it's so obvious where that stepping stone, those initial kind of seeds were planted in the Lightning organization and how directly that came from the crunch. You know, I remember, I think, in the 2013-14 season, I spoke to the season ticket season ticket holder I spoke to in the story, Alex Ackerman, she, you know, she said that, that that season was kind of a letdown for them. It was really disappointing to watch. And I was surprised when she initially said that because the year before when the Lightning took over, everybody was so excited. You know, the Ducks was not at all what they had anticipated. It was nowhere close to the partnership they've established with the Lightning. But the year before also was when they was when the Crunch advanced to the Calder Cup final. And that was the first time they'd ever done it. And it was with this new partnership with the Lightning. So it was super exciting at the time. But still, you know, the next season was a letdown. I think they did qualify for the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. But they lost in the first round. But still, that 13-14 season was when a lot of players started coming in to the Lightning organization. You know, you had... Yanni Gord, who's not with the Lightning any, anymore, but he was part of that near decade run of, you know, improvement and getting, you know, guys like, you know, obviously having guys like Steven Stamkos and all that, but he was part of that that group that, you know, a top six forward unit that really helped them out in both Stanley Cup runs. Same with, I think the next year was when Braden Point came in. The next year was when Andre Vasilevsky, their goalie, came in. So, Really, those two years when the Lightning were really getting their draft prospects into the into the program, along with 
you know, really making sure that even their their lower round picks as well, you know, everybody was was being developed at once and they're really smart about things like trades and other that. But really, again, the fact that the pathway from the minor leagues to the to the NHL and ultimately carrying two back to back seasons of success and championships, the fact that that was just so obvious and that and that development happened so quickly, that in itself is a rarity. Right. Now, does Tampa sort of try to structure the coaching down here as well, or up here, I guess, as well, mm-hmm. to try and mimic how Tampa wants to play? Is that a part of that player development? Yeah, well, I mean, when, when I, actually, when I spoke to the general manager of the Crunch, the assistant GM of the Lightning, he had just gotten out of a draft meeting for this upcoming year's draft. And, you know, the fact that, you know, again, they're taking this time to identify these sort of NHL caliber players where, you know, where, where they're picking in the draft, you know, they've traded away so many first round picks to kind of get where they where they are now. So they have to really be careful about taking that sort of gamble that he that he told me about is finding these late round picks, these third, fourth round picks and identifying NHL ready talent, but then it's the point of comes to the point of actually developing that and working with that. Now the other part of all this is the connection that the crunch actually have with the city, which is something that I think you got into a little bit towards the end of the story. What has that been like and and has there been a market shift since Tampa took over? Yeah, I mean, like I know I mentioned in the story where you know, the first season before they even played a game as the Lightning affiliates in Syracuse, the future captain was at the fairgrounds, made an appearance, and that was something that fans hadn't seen before. So, you know, it's, it's again, I mean, they, I, I didn't go in in depth too much about kind of what specific organizations the players are working with in the community, but it's definitely, it's definitely there. You know, they're just this past week, they took time to personally handwrite the players. The players took time to personally handwrite letters to season ticket holders and all that. So just the small gestures like that, that really showcase, you know, what they mean to the community and how much they really embraced the community. You know, I spoke to Darren Radish post game for the crunch and his brother, his younger brother, Worked his way up the past three years to get to the to that cup final team last year. He didn't play in the in the playoffs, but still he got to be on the ice with the team as a voice of the trophy and all that. He has his name on the trophy now. So just you know, his his family had always come up to Syracuse while his brother Taylor was was working his way up. So like again, you know, players have really learned to embrace Syracuse, learn to learn how to play in front of you know, a good fan base like Syracuse does. And, you know, that that's part of learning how to be a pro. So they they they, they know how to deal with that. And, yeah, you know, like the Crunch did an event at Syracuse University where they actually had a game inside the Carrier Dome. So just things like that to get involved with the community because that was something that they, re- they really missed out on from when they joined the AHL back in the early 90s. It's led to a period of success as well. Uh, I think we were talking before we 
start recording that uh, they have made their two and only two Calder Cup uh, finals appearances since Tampa took over. From the fans' perspective, how has this transition sort of worked? Because it really felt like everyone affiliated with the Crunch and then also the fans that you talked to really seemed appreciative of what Tampa had done and also seemed to recognize that how much it has helped the Crunch. Yeah, you know, it's... Before before the Lightning took over there with the Ducks, and I know I know I mentioned that it was it wasn't great, you know, the Crunch had to wear Ducks gear on the road, for example. You know, their bags were had the Ducks logo and all that. So again, like I think the fan that I spoke to, Alex Ackerman, she she said, you know, the Ducks would have been fine if Syracuse Crunch were Syracuse Ducks, but the Lightning, you know, they would never make make the team here. The Syracuse, the Syracuse Lightning. So just just you know, things with the players too. You know, the players, you know, they even when in that 2012-2013 season when the Lightning took over, the all the players had to move from Norfolk, Virginia, over you know all the way here to here to Syracuse they're farther away from Tampa Bay and all that but again like like I said like I said earlier it's it's the fact that they the players have really embraced the community and the fans are appreciative of that you know they like I said they made two Calder Cup finals but no matter how they play on the on the ice you know it's you know when I was there they lost 4-1 to the Utica Conference, it's been a tough stretch for them because they've had to have so many games rescheduled after, you know, because of COVID cancellations. That 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 was their fifth game in six days. So the fans are understanding. The fans are appreciative, and the and the, and the players they they'll show up and and yeah, I mean the fans will still be there. It was pretty 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 good crowd there all the way to the end. So yeah, it's. It's definitely a community aspect, a community feel that, you know, the the Lightning and ultimately the Crunch players have learned to embrace. Final question that I like to ask everyone, is there a story or anecdote or maybe just a quote that wasn't able to get in a story that you'd like to share today? Yeah, I think just building off that last answer, you know, and how much the players have embraced the community. You know, one, one player who is now... Who, who didn't play on Friday, December 21st game that I covered against Utica because he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning taxi squad. But he actually has a house in, in Syracuse, a family. And yeah, his family owns property here, which is incredibly rare for an AHL player to own property in the in the city of of their, you know, of their minor league club. You know, they usually they'll They'll just get rent an apartment or, you know, and that, and that's kind of part of the learning process, especially for the younger players as they sort of mature and start and become more individuals and better pros. But, you know, the fact that he's kind of embraced Syracuse and in, in, in that nature and everything the community here has given him and everything he has to offer, that, again, just speaks, speaks volumes. And I wish, like, Yanni Gord, for example, Syracuse's, Again, been been a huge influence on him, 
you know, they've had so many Syracuse, they've, they've had many Syracuse born players, the coach, many coaches as well graduated through the crunch system, whether as coaches or players. So again, all, all that just shows why the Syracuse crunch are, you know, an important aspect and important part of Syracuse community. Yeah. The, the list of names that you had in the story of players that have gone on to win the Stanley Cup with Tampa, it's a list of, of some of the top players. Like we're talking top six guys, yeah. you know, on that Tampa team, which is really impressive to talk about. Vashlevsky, like you mentioned as well. I mean, that's one of the top goaltenders in, in the NHL. Yeah. Came through Syracuse. Well, thank you for doing this, Alex. We really appreciate having you on and uh, hopefully you'll have a chance to do a few more stories on the crunch. Definitely. Thank, thanks again for having me. Syracuse sits fifth in their division this year, but despite the lack of results, the Crunch continue to develop players that may become Tampa regulars in the coming years. Charles Houdon, Gabriel Fortier, and most recently Cole Kepke are all names who have bounced back and forth from Syracuse to Tampa's taxi squad this year. The Crunch can surely expect to see more names on the Stanley Cup that once came through the on-center with Tampa's success continuing this season. Tampa sits second in the Atlantic Division and remain one of the favorites to win the Cup. Make sure to follow Alex Serino on Twitter and on the Daily Orange webpage. He'll have up-to-the-minute coverage of Syracuse University men's lacrosse and women's basketball. Also, make sure to follow the Daily Orange sports Twitter page so you never miss a sportscast episode or the latest news on Syracuse athletics. I'm Arab Tomajimder, host and editorial director. Marnie Munoz is the podcast editor. Henry O'Brien and Connor Pignatello are the assistant sports digital editors. Adam Wolf is our music producer. Matt Wrigley and RJ Fram are the associate producers. And Nick Luttrell is the executive producer of the show.